Welcome to Anecdotally Speaking, a podcast to help you build your business story repertoire. Hi, everyone. I'm Sean Callahan. And hi, everybody. I'm Mark Shank. Right. So we have a, a story from the Midwest, I believe. Mark, over to you. Story for yep, the day. It's a, a, an Iowa, a Midwest Iowa innovation story. And essentially, uh, there's a huge difference between uh, an idea and its adoption. And we're all familiar with the saying, the best thing since sliced bread. Well, there was a time when there was no sliced bread, but there was a guy called Otto Rowetter, who's a like a son of a German immigrant uh, living in the, uh, in, in the Midwest. And he had this idea. So it was 1912, and he was 32 years old at the time. And he thought, wow, sliced bread, there's a good idea. It took him five years to come up with a working prototype and so, what is he, 37 uh, at that stage? And you know, you're thinking, oh, okay, this guy's got a functional bread slicer. It's a no-brainer. Nah. So this is an Ten automatic years. sort of commercial bread slicer, isn't it? A complete, yeah, and yeah, and a commercial qual, you know, commercial grade uh, uh, bread slicer. Yeah. And anyway. I'm thinking, when I heard this, I thought, oh, that's going to take off like hotcakes. No pun intended. And it didn't. It was, it took another 10 years before he sold his first one. And then a further year before it was years. the first loaf, 10 years. That's how he's 47 years old now. Wow. He's 32 and he had 47 now. <laughs> and uh, of course, once it started, it just went crazy. Um, uh Everybody wanted to have sliced bread. Uh, all the bread, all the bakeries are suddenly going, "Oh, sliced bread! There's a good idea." I mean, before 1927, eh, not really. And uh, his son, Rowetter's son, uh, claimed that the the Chilcoth Baking Company, that was the first place that bought his uh, bread slicer, was struggling at the time, and their sales increased by by two thousand percent in the first couple of months. So right. for them, a huge commercial success. Um, so I mean, there's, there's, I guess there's a whole bunch more around the periphery of this of this story about how uh, Rowetta sold the rights. A whole bunch, you know, he'd patented his machine, but other people patented variations, and suddenly there is an explosion of bread slicing machines. And it was only a few years before um, there was more sliced bread sold than unsliced. So it's a, a huge change. And I, one, of, one of the interesting things that for me was that uh, there was a, uh, a, in 1926, a guy had invented the pop-up toaster. And the, the sliced bread innovation drove up, the, the sales of pop-up toasters also exploded. Sort of an un, unintended side effect. <laughs> I wonder if the pop-up toaster guy had a similar uh, struggle to get his... Uh invention adopted like why do you need pop-up toaster hey we have fires you know you just have a fork and you just <laughs> yeah. stick the you know toast next to the yeah 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 oh that's a good one excellent excellent and um yeah i mean it reminds me a little bit of uh um you know the dyson vacuum cleaner also Jimmy. Took, yeah James Dyson's vacuum cleaner took ages to take off as well you know and uh he pitched it to a whole bunch of vacuum companies like Hoover and Electrolux, but they they weren't interested at all. They, they thought it was a crazy idea to have this cyclonic, you know, sort of system. But I think it's like any innovation, isn't it? It's uh, it's new, it's a bit new, it's a bit different, 
uh, let's just sort of see what happens, you know, before anyone adopts it. And it's quite an amazing, uh, if you don't see, or if you don't, you're not aware of the backstory, people kind of think, oh, wow, an overnight success. Yeah. James Dyson. But it's actually years of slog. Yeah. And so the whole the whole concept of, of like overnight success is really overhyped. Yes. And so yes. for many of the, the, the things that we just absolutely take for granted, like the Dyson, the sliced bread, et cetera, these things took years to get adopted. And I heard a pop music version of this uh, sort of time to, to success. And that was uh, with the British pop band called Pulp. And they were going for almost like 10 years before they had their first and, and pretty much their only big hit called Common People. Um, so again, you know, like they started in the late 70s. It took them to about 95 before they really had a hit. So anyway, there you go. So what do we like about this story, Mark? What are, what are the things that um, sort of stand out for us? Well, I, I, everybody's heard the saying, it's the best thing since sliced bread. Indeed. And so, you know, it's pretty familiar to people. Yeah. You know, the idea of you, you, you go into a supermarket, it's hard to find an unsliced loaf nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's familiar. Familiarity is always good in a story. And I think, you know, we know the concept of bread slicing. It's uh, So all that is, um, I guess, in our heads. Uh, I, I guess, too, you know, it's it, it's probably answers a little question. You know, one of those little uh, I don't know, little things in the back of our mind going, I wonder where that all came from, you know. It's it's one of those answers to those questions. So that that's always a good part of the story. And, yeah, clearly it has a, a nice, simple, you know, um, meaning too, right? We'll talk about that in a minute, but I think you can get some good points out of it, good business points. Um, and one of the reasons, well, you can get, a, you know, good business points out of it, I think, is the surprise. It's such a surprise. Well, it's sliced bread, but it took 10 years. Really? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, then what do you reckon? That if, what, what could we do to make this story even better then? Well, I noticed that you asked me about uh, whether it was an industrial machine that his, his prototype. Yes. And knowing, I, I guess, saying a little bit more about the machine itself, that it was a bloody, it was big thing. You know, big hulking a, a, thing. You know? A huge piece of equipment. Um, yeah. You know, industrial strength, uh, you know, you, you couldn't get it in your car. You know, it's not like these days where you, you know, you just carry one in a, you know, you, you know in, in your one boot. hand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a very, very large piece of equipment made out of cast steel. You know, big cast steel. It looked like it was, yeah. um, you know, uh, someone had pulled together a whole bunch of, bunch of farm machinery, you know, mm. and thrown it together into this thing the size of a, you know, a 1960s era IBM computer. You know, it was uh, it was gigantic. <laughs> yeah. it, it kind of re reminds me, uh, uh, when I was uh, in the Air Force, I was uh, spent a couple of years in the UK and uh, I was at RAF Lynham and... The they had these the V fleet the Vulcan the uh, Victor the Victor bomber and something else anyway the the last surviving Victor bomber landed it was doing its final tour and so it kind of flies around all the bases and it was at Lynham and I got to crawl through it which is kind of interesting this thing was made out of angle iron you know it's an aircraft 
that was amazing. You know, not not at all a lightweight thing. This was a yeah. behemoth, right? And you know, solid steel uh, angle iron. Well, right. Yeah. You wondered how it got bars. off the how, how I did how it got off the ground. I absolutely did. Yeah. And it's like how could this thing possibly fly? Yeah. Um, so I think in, you know, in terms of making the story better, it's it gets again. It's any opportunity where you can make the story a little bit more visual. So throwing in what the machine looked like. Um, the reason why I was um, uh, sort of just through that thing about, oh, this is a commercial automatic slicer is, I know it probably is obvious, but, you know, he invented a bread slicer. You know, you could you could imagine that as a, you know, just a, here's my little, here's my knife and serrated edges. Oh. And, you know, it's it's a single... Uh, in you know bread slicer or something. I don't know. That is such an important thing there. The curse of knowledge kicked in because I was just all I had in my head was I knew this was an industrial strength. Yeah, bread, bread commercial slicer. slicer. Yeah, yeah. Com uh, commercial volume type of thing. And it's a really that's a such a good point and one of the reasons why you should test your stories before you say them out loud is because you can make assumptions and 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 I could tell that story and and, and if somebody's thinking. You know, a, a, a sort of a a, a one loaf uh, yeah. slice application thing. Yeah, yeah. You could the the purpose the the point of that story might be lost. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's a good lesson. Mm. Um, what else? What else could you say? I, I I'm always um, I guess like the idea of giving a thumb a thumbnail sort of sketch of the person Otto. I mean, you did. You said, he, you said he said he was a German immigrant, which uh, you know, there's a little bit of a sketch. Uh, you know, we we also knew his age, so you know, middle aged guy by the time he sort of hits it big. But you know, I, I, yeah. I, I was you know, balding guy, bespectacled, boarding guy. That's probably all you need to he, say. He started out as a jeweler. Oh, he actually graduated with a degree in 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 optics, and then he became a jeweler, and and he actually was quite good at it. He had three jewelry stores. Yeah, in uh, in I think in Des Moines, and uh, yeah, then he went. Oh, hey, idea. I'm going to go into building bread slices. Well, it's like Bruno Leschi, you know, going from jeweler to um, and goldsmith to uh, you know, sort of architect and builder. Why not clock clockmakers and jewelers? Yeah, they can, they can do a lot. They got, yeah, they got potential. So if you've got any people applying for jobs, just remember these. Watchmakers and jewelers—they've got, uh, they got, got skill. potential. They got skill. Yeah. Great. Okay. Well, let's give it a let's give it a rating, Mark. What do you? Reckon? Oh no, let's talk about no, talk no? about business points. How do oh, how do we use this? Points. Yeah, good point. How do we how do we use this how in a business context? Um, and for me, what, like the obvious one is a change management application. So you've got a great idea, and you want people to adopt it in your organization. Right. And you might fall into the trap of thinking that, oh, well, this is a great idea. Like, this is the best idea since I spent. Everyone will see the value of this. Well, it's actually a lot harder than you might think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Getting a, a, an idea adopted is, uh, is is difficult, a new idea. Uh, kind of reminds us of that uh, research that we used to talk about uh, a while back on um, Rod, uh, Everett Rogers, right, and uh, just his work on... <laughs> That adoption curve, and you know, you got those very what do you call those very early adopters um, who you know tend to be mavericks and a bit out there, and and they were they typically didn't look or sound like or act like any of the other people in the population, 
And so they were the worst people to um, promote the, the product because people tend to buy things from people who are just like them, right? So, uh, so I wonder if Otto was out, you know, it was, it was just too different to the rest of those uh, Iowa farmers or bakers. I'm not too yeah. sure. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Don't know, don't know the answer to that one. Yep. But no, I think that's, it's a, that's, that's one of the key points, isn't it? Um, yeah. Yeah. Kind of that difference between innovation and adoption and that they are really different things. Now, so just another thought, which is it's often really hard to get budget for change management. Right? Yeah. Sure it's is. kind of the you know last thing that people think about in uh, in putting together a program a, a project budget, but in many cases or in many ways it's one of the most important things because you might have the world's best IT system, but unless people adopt it, you know this yeah. IT system is the best thing since sliced bread. It's like okay, well let me tell you about sliced bread. It took ten years before people saw the value in it. So we need to really work hard at the adoption. Do we want to wait ten years? Just yeah, so uh, that's yeah. a you know, if you're fighting for budget uh, for your for your um, change management part of your project, well, that's a really good story to put in your story bank. <laughs> yeah, okay, I like it. Um, yeah. yeah, I can't think of any others off the top of my head, just uh, in terms of other business points. Um, yeah, and I guess you know, like don't don't fall in love with your idea because just because you love it doesn't mean everyone else will love it. Uh, at least initially, and so don't get don't yeah, get yeah. But I think innovators, innovators, right? innovators, a lot of work between all... Yeah, but you got to stay in love with it, don't you? You know, to keep going to to get over the that period of time where no one else loves it. You've got to you got to still believe in it somewhere along the line, don't you? Um, yeah, it'd be frustrating as hell for poor old Otto. For a while there, I, I just can't Until imagine he hits how pager. frustrating it must have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, exactly. So, a decade um, of grind. Yeah, mind you, back then things went a lot slower. So maybe that uh, was some sort of, uh, um, I guess, uh, yeah, it made it a little easier for 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 people involved. Uh, okay, let's give it a let's give it a rating then. Um, your story, I get to rate then. Uh, hmm. Slice bread. I kind of like the I like it because it's attached to that uh, you know the saying, and uh, yeah, it's a nice simple little story. Uh, it's a seven for me. Yep. Okay. It's a solid well, seven. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. An eight. And the, yeah. Look, so. It, I used that story in keynotes for for a while, many, 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 many years ago. It's kind of the ones that you know I evolved out of my kind of keynotes uh, a while back, and it wasn't. It was so long ago that it wasn't even in my story bank. Um, but now that I've re kind of rediscovered it, it, it and and put it into my story bank, more importantly, oh, right. uh, I, I can see myself using it a, a bit more. Uh, that's good. Excellent. See, the importance of a story bank. Keep adding your little anecdotes into there. Well, guys, that's been fantastic. Thanks again for listening to Anecdotally Speaking. And, of course, tune in next week for another episode on how to put your stories to work. Bye for now.
Anecdotally Speaking was engineered by Dave Stokes from author to audio.